You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Football Nation Radio, George Denekian in the studio alongside Josh Parrish. We're at the Docklands, but we're going to go again uh, via Zoom to some extraordinarily uh, remote sp- spot. I think it's called Sydney. <laughs> Different time uh, zone, Courtney, George, I think. Yeah, Courtney Hagen. Well, she'll probably feel like that. She'll say, what have you guys done to me? I, th- I thought I was going to be on air an hour ago. Uh, Courtney, our, our humble apologies we are big fans. Whenever people have, uh, you know, great passion and great drive and they believe in something, as you do, um, we should never let them down. And I apologise. Um, welcome to FNR. Thanks for having me, Miles. And no stress at all. I actually <laughs> thought I was speaking in half an hour, so um, <laughs> I didn't know. So it's all good. Now, now listen, you have you have about the longest uh, title on in Australian football at the moment, what is it? Read it out to us because I, I can't believe it's it's a line long. Yeah, uh, it's engagement lead Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Uh, now, I would say I'm actually reporting to Sarah Walsh, who's head of diversity inclusion, uh, like, for, like legacy of the World Cup and women's football. So I think she must like really <laughs> long titles. Or something. I was going to say... We've got to get an acronym or something. I was right? going to say you're very shrewd because what you've done in one wonderful sentence is you've demoted yourself to second and you've put your leader up front. <laughs> Beautiful. You've got a long future, my girl. Um, can I just say Jade North is a tremendous character. He's played the game at the highest level. Uh, we love him. Uh, and you guys are locked at, at the hip with this sensational initiative. I just want to know, what have you discovered? Why did we allow the the AFL, the NRL, basketball and everybody else to leapfrog over us? Because I'm old enough, uh, Josh not so much, but I'm old enough to remember some, some fantastic names, Charlie Perkins, Harry Williams, who were right in the thick of it, playing some super football, being representatives of their people. Uh, at a time when it wasn't so fashionable. So how have we gone from being so open and so progressive to being so dumb? I wouldn't call it dumb. Um, we were, but... we, because you don't leave a resource like that. I mean, Kevin Sheedy, to, in my mind, is one of the greatest visionaries on the planet. I don't care what country we're talking about. He saw a future and he went after it at a time when there are a, a whole lot of people behind him going, Oh, Kevin, what are you doing? What are you on about? But he was wonderful. He saw a time when we would embrace the whole country and our history and our first Australians in a manner that was respectful, uh, proud and progressive. Agreed. I think, you know, a lot of the national sporting bodies have had um, a deep history of connection to the game, but also that internalised pressure from multiple First Nations representatives, um, particularly in their backyard. I think if, um, I, you know, have only started in August and what I've started to see in history is that, you know, our national teams play overseas a lot and there's not a lot of um, not a lot of pressure from community, I think, to really activate as much as it has been in recent years. And with the rise of the game um, in the First, First Nations game across multiple sports, 
that's only increased the public profile. And I think as over time, um, what football has had differently is such a large cohort of multicultural communities, which has further embraced First Nations people from the get-go. Um, but I don't think football has been necessarily as specific as it could have been. Mm. But um, what, what I think there was comfort in was that football has always been a safe space for people of minority groups, as, as we know of many First Nations, multicultural, LGBTQ uh, members have always had a, good, a reasonably good experience in the game and have, we've had the most uh, representatives at our top level. So I think that's kind of where the comfort's sat. And now, um, you know, not only as a sport but as an organisation, I think as we're getting more progressive and more established in certain spaces, we're seeing that there is a need to be more specific to engage and tell the stories of our First Nations players um, not not as just a part of diversity and inclusion, but more that it has been that it, it is a sleeping giant and it has been for many years because it's just gone with the flow. Um, and other and other national sporting organisations, I think, have have realized, have tapped into that early, but they've also been driven by um, First Nations uh, leadership, whether uh-huh. that be from advisory groups or um, you know particular positions that are in the organisation and things like that. So now as a wider society and corporate Australia are moving in that direction because of the likes of, um, you know, reconciliation action plans, um, that's where we're at at the moment. So it's a great enabler for us to to move move from. And what it's not always necessarily that we're starting last, but I think we've got lots that we are able to, to learn from other sporting codes that have done this work before so we don't have to make the mistakes that they did prior. Courtney, it's a really good point you raised. I remember when we had uh, uh, John Didlitzer in to talk about his book, uh, there was a chapter that really stuck out to me uh, of I think it was Charlie Perkins um, and, and John Moriarty and, and those sort of real pioneers for Indigenous footballs in Australia being actually welcomed by the ethnic clubs. They weren't treated as, as second-class citizens. No, so as, treated as equals. Exactly. Mm. So we, we do have uh, some history of, uh, of including First Nations people um, in our game, uh, but what do we need to do now to, to catch up to those, some of those other codes who, whether it's you know, tangible progress or whether it's you know, they're selling that story a little bit better, what do we need to do to catch up? Yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of work to do. I think it's um, making the game appealing for our mob as well and, um, you know, relatable. I I mean, you look at the Matildas at the moment, two of the most prolific members of the squad are First Nations women. Um, but I think it's telling that story here and um, having our young women um, not only just see them because often we hear the, the phrase, you know, if you can't see it, you can't be it. Mm. But I think it's further. It's it's more than that. I think it's Much more. going through analysing where the gaps are in participation and access. I think it's um, us working out how to leverage our current processes, programs, pathways and identifying, yeah, where where does it stop? Are we losing kids early to different codes and, and why is that? How can we um, dismantle it but also kind of use football, um, you know, as a catalyst for social change and it's not always just about us getting Matildas and Socceroos. It's also about getting um, people to have positive relationships with exercise and using sport as a way to create unity between people 
um, educate within our sphere of influence. Um, you know, we've got the hearts and minds of billions of people across the world. We should be integrating um, Indigenous identity and culture into who we are as a national identity. I think you often hear sport is the backbone of Australian society. And if we are, you know, um, a sport that's, you know, associated with that, we have a, yeah, quite a bit of work to do now to hmm. bring that culture forward and um, not only just, you know, use it as a, as a space for advocacy, but use it as a space for celebration. Hmm. And, um, you know, it's not about necessarily, you hear the words, you know, being diverse and inclusive and they're definitely the right words to use, but it's more than that. I think it's how do we embrace um, First Nations people and it's not just embracing people by um, having certain flags and places and things like that or Indigenous rounds. It's about how do we ensure that our clubs are always safe spaces um, and that and that our football clubs also um, embrace the First Nations community around them. So, you know, there's that. And create a mentor. Separation from, yeah. It's a like mentorship. Exactly, exactly. And, um, yeah, creating those two-way relationships that are mutually beneficial as well. Uh- uh, we're, we're talking to Courtney Hagen, and uh, she's got an enormous job ahead of her, uh, part of a tremendous team at Football Australia doing something seriously exciting. It's an initiative to, to, to bring um, not only balance but to, to get us to reach out to make sure that we do the right thing with the first peoples of this country. And we've had them in, in our sport before, and I remember Charlie Perkins saying he felt at home at uh, Panhellenic in Sydney – he felt like he was one of the boys. He felt like he was a hero, especially when they won. Uh, and the same applies. A few weeks ago, we had the great joy to to uh, reach out via Zoom. To, we went to Goa to yes. speak to David Williams. They call him Willow, Will of the Wisp. He's a tremendous young man, an Indigenous footballer, first Australian. But you know what he was saying to us? And this will fill you, I hope, with enormous excitement you know what he wants to do over the next few years as he winds down his career and, and moves on? He wants to be a serious agent for change. He wants to be that, that – and I don't, want to be, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but Josh, mm. tell me if I'm wrong. He no. wants to be a sort of bridge because he's been through all this. He was – I remember how excited he was when he was at Fury in, in Queensland when he came to Melbourne Heart. He was one of our young, exciting footballers. And he reflects on what he could have done and what he did do and how much more he can do now. And he reckons he's now in his prime. He's, he, he's telling us, but he feels an enormous mission. And I think, and I'd love for you guys to be able to reach out to David Williams. And we've got his details if you need them. And I'm sure you can get them. Um, he is one of these, again, exciting, young um, Intelligent, yeah, intelligent young men who, uh, and we have intelligent young women, Kaya Simon, uh, Lydia Williams and others. But seriously, here's a professional who's plying his trade in the Indian Premier League. He's put his wife and his children in Townsville to one side for a couple of years because he needs to build a future for them. Uh, he's doing the FaceTime thing, much as what, what we're doing now, to keep abreast of what he's saying. And he reminded us how difficult it is living in a in a lovely hotel with the palm leaves and the beach out the front, but he can't get outside <laughs> because unless unless he goes to training. Yeah, in the bubble. So it's in a bubble. <laughs> uh, but he was also telling us of how exciting it was 
and, and, and what a mission he was on, but he also felt that he had a more important job to do. And I reckon it's the next one, the next phase of his mm. career, which could help you, me, and every young boy and girl um, who wants to and loves this game and wants to want to join it and be a participant. What do you think? Exciting to have oh, someone absolutely. like that. To have someone like that absolutely. shake the tree. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's almost. Um, I'm not even actually that surprised to be honest. Like to, to even think of the names you were just talking about before, the likes of Charlie Perkins. Uh, you know, John Moriarty, Gordon Briscoe, they're all, um, you know, fellas that had a, you know, a great career in the game, uh, some of them shorter than others, but then followed, um, you know, work in advocacy and, and being agents of change. So that must just kind of be the legacy that football has created um, for, you know, for our First Nations footballers somehow, um, not quite naturally and subconsciously, you know, even Jade North, for example, he's gone and, and had his career and now he's he's going off to, um, you know, create change. Adam Sirota, Harry Williams, like there's so many more. Um, and you sort of think like this must just sort of be the, um, you know, the energy and the culture that, that football brings out in people. I think something that I've noticed from working in other sporting codes and, and being in, associated in other sports myself is that, um there's a great deal of passion in football and passion for each other and passion for equality and equity. And I think that transcends off the field as well. So it's really exciting to hear um, that David's thinking about that sort of stuff, because I think that's, um, you know, that's our cultural obligation as First Nations people is not to only, you know, rise and be role models, but it's also to reach your hand out and give back to community as much as you can. So um, that's, yeah, that's truly special to hear, and um, yeah, I can't wait to to reach out and tell me how this how this chats. And now he's on the hook, um, but uh, yeah, that that is really special. So um, yeah, thanks for sharing that with me. No, no, really it, means cool. a lot. it means a lot to us. He's a and tremendous young man. Him, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I did want to ask you, Courtney. Uh, what is the uh, the feedback that you've been getting from people like Jade North? What's the their lived experience and and what they wanted to to bring in and let Football Australia know about in this space? Yeah, I think, um, you know, firstly, there, there have been people that have kept this game alive in First Nations community before the national body have started to take full focus to it and we should acknowledge those people um, for that because, you know, that, that takes a great deal of passion and effort to do um, with, with some support of the, of the national body. But um, from what I've heard, you know, football has been something that's provided um, a lot of our mob who do participate in it um, with a great sense of, of joy and um, opportunities to travel. Uh, we have the likes of Tanya Oxaby as well, which is a different kind of story, who's on our National Indigenous Advisory Group, who, um, you know, is a, is a coach at Chelsea Football Club and, you know, grew up in WA, is a, you know, Yamaji woman. Um, you know, how on earth did she end up over there? I don't know. But that's just the kind of opportunity that football has provided her. And like we were talking before about, you know, cultural obligation and what it means to be, you know, a First Nations person. It's not just, um, you know, seizing opportunity and, and um, taking up the spaces that you should, but also, yeah, reaching out and giving back to community. So we get sort of a great mix of different experiences um, from past players, we've had a lot of support from um, other people who are, you know, other First Nations people who are big fans of the game that work in different areas. And then, yeah, the likes of 
people like Kaya Simon, who are currently still playing, supporting us, and um, Tanya Oxaby, who is, yeah, um, in a different realm, but coaching, which is really, really cool. At least so, she's in a decent football um, yeah, club. She, at least she's in a, a decent football club called uh, Spurs Tottenham. Don't get George started here. Here we go, <laughs> here we go again. No, uh, I wanted she to ask. Me- she mentioned Chelsea. I had to. I had to. I, had, I couldn't let that go to the wicketkeeper. <laughs> I think that's three Spurs mentions. Yeah, I think three, we should play three. a sting every time. True. true. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the reconciliation uh, action plan. Obviously, this early stages of the process here. Uh, but what are the the next big steps that have to be taken by the governing body? Yeah, so like like you said, it's it's first steps. It's kind of putting the boots on before we step out in the field, but it's ensuring that um, we've, we've got those policies and processes in place, and I know those words are probably quite, you know, boring to the average punter, but they are important for us to ensure that, you know, stuff is constitutionalised and um, not only that football, um, you know, are responsible and respectful and safe in, in every way, but also as an organisation that we... Um, you know, have more First Nations employees and and change the face of the game also from a leadership perspective. And that comes from us, uh, you know, leaning heavily into this newly established advisory group, but also um, using that as hopefully a domino effect out to our member federations and, and also club land as well. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for giving us your time and your insights today. We really appreciate it. And uh, we also appreciate what Football Australia is, is now looking to do in this space. It's, uh, it's an exciting time. So uh, best of luck with it. Thanks, Legends. All the best.